I want to speak on Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I want to ask the question, what is a Christian? And I want to answer it by in this self-revelation of the Apostle Paul, I want you to see the basic elements of what he considered a Christian to be. And the first thing that a Christian is, that he is a human being. Now, um, I suppose that's strange to some of you, but we often find some artificiality in some professing Christians, a sort of uh, weirdness, uh, an extremeness that troubles us. And that's why I'm intrigued by what the apostle says here, the life that I now live in the flesh, in the body. So his conversion to Jesus Christ hadn't overridden the fact that he was still living in the body. He'd gone through him momentous experiences, a great trauma, and yet he could say, I live, yet no longer I, but Christ lives in me. There was a chasm between Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee, and the Apostle Paul, the preacher and pastor and letter writer, but he was still living in the flesh. He hadn't ceased to be human. He hadn't ceased to be earthed and grounded in ordinary human living and circumstances. Uh, he hadn't lost any of his basic humanity. Let me break that down for a moment. Um, he still had the same basic DNA, the acid-carrying genetic instruction on his own molecular structure, his temperament, his personhood, his skin color, his eye color, his hair, his weight, um, his individuality, his personality hadn't been uh, merged into some vague, gray, standardized religious personality. He had a human temperament. Uh, there were days when he was pressed down beyond measure. Uh, he wasn't always bubbling and effervescing in some Mozart's kind of of joy. Uh, there were days when he was despairing even of life, he says, and then he had to learn in whatever state he was to be content. It wasn't a matter of a new psychology or a new personality. Um, we believe that before he was converted, he was a great energetic bundle. Uh, he found it difficult to be restful and patient um, he was irritable, but he learned. He learned to handle his temperament. He learned to manage being discontented and being impatient and being irritable. It wasn't destroyed in a single moment. It survived his conversion. He didn't pick up this on the road to Damascus when he was converted. He learned it over the months and years of progressive sanctification. And then there were his human affections. 
Um, you remember when he went to a new town, he went to the synagogue, he went to see his fellow Jews, and he went to speak to them. Um, and he said, I could wish myself separate, a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. His conversion hadn't put an end to his Jewishness. Uh, it was a driving force, his concern for them, his love for them. And we don't change our uh, ethnic and national and racial characteristics when we become Christians. We become rooted in the soil in which we grew up. And then again, um, th there are so many native weaknesses that we have. Uh, Paul wasn't given a whole new range of talents when he was converted. Men looked at him and they said his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. He wasn't a great orator like uh, Peter was. And when he went into a room, uh, some men enter a room and the eyes of everybody go and turn on. Who is this great personality that's come into the room? But Paul wasn't like that. His bodily presence was weak and he felt his weaknesses keenly. When he had a thorn in the flesh, he didn't say, well, praise the Lord. He prayed. He prayed earnestly. He prayed frequently that God would take the thorn in the flesh from him. I wonder how much all of us owe to our weaknesses, the things that keep us dependent on God for his strength. So he was a human being with a human being's temperament and a human being's affections and a human being's weaknesses and a human being's interests too. Uh, when he's in prison, he says, oh, I hate being here without any books to read. Uh, bring me the books and the parchments when you come and see me, he tells Timothy. God doesn't want us to be people to whom nothing matters but religion. Um, if you go to the scriptures, you find the author of Job. Uh, and Moses and the, uh, and the authors of the Psalms and Isaiah. You find them interested in everything in God's creation, interested in music and mining and beauty and agriculture and commerce and perfume and children's games and travel and courtship and matters military. They have this vision of the earth. This is God's earth, they say. The earth is the Lord's and his fullness. It is his. And so they were involved in the world of their day. Nehemiah was. Ezra was. They were alert to its weaknesses and its needs. And our great uh, reformers, um, they were, John Calvin was uh, uh, an expert in the classical writings in Greek. And John Wesley taught Greek in Lincoln College in in Oxford and John Murray returned to the north of Scotland and uh, he loved his uh, his sheep uh, and his home by the side of the loch B.B. Warfield he was an expert in shorthorn cattle there's a well-known story of a, a man who was asked did he have any brothers and he says yes I've got two brothers one is a Baptist minister and the other is a human being. <laughs> and uh, I'm 
I'm saying this, you see, in order for there to be no tension. Some of you uh, watching are not yet Christians, and you're afraid that you're going to lose something. Things that you love, hobbies and interests that you love. You'll have to give everything to the Lord, but he'll give it back to you, and he'll give it back to you as your servant, not as your master. A Christian is a human being. Secondly, a, a Christian is one who has the most exalted view of Christ. He has the maximal possible, the grandest, the greatest view of, of Jesus Christ. Um, Paul says here, I live by faith in the Son of God. God has a son. That's extraordinary. You know what that means, the implications of that. Um, here are two men and they're in the maternity ward. Their wives have both hard sons and they're looking through a big glass screen into the room and in the cribs there, their sons are lying. And the one man says to the other new father, my son is 97% human. And the other father smiles and says, my son is 98% human. Well, you know, that never occurs. Um, we are 100% human, and our sons are 100% human too. God is 100% divine, and his son, he's 100% divine as well. And I'm emphasizing this because there was a time when Paul didn't have that view. When, when Paul judged him according to the flesh, he says, what does he believe? What's his father do for a living? Where does he come from? And none of the answers satisfied him. How did he die? They crucified him. The Sanhedrin condemned him. And he knew straight away that he was a liar. He was a charlatan. He was a scoundrel. And he did everything in his power to wipe out this new religion. And then he met on the Damascus Road, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it transformed his life, didn't it? Uh, he, uh, he had a totally new view. He had the greatest possible view. He was the son of God. So um, there's nothing more foundational for a Christian than that. We say to new members wanting to join the church, who is Jesus Christ? And they say, he's the son of God and my savior. And we say, welcome my brother into the church. Remember how people went to John the Baptist and wanted John the Baptist to speak about John the Baptist, but John the Baptist wouldn't speak about John the Baptist. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. And I'm not worthy to undo the thongs of his sandals. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I believe Jesus Christ was pre-existent. He's always been. There never was a time when he was not. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's designed every leaf. He's planned the trajectory of every comet. Every physical bond in the cosmos was designed by him. He's the Lord of glory. Our mathematics are our attempt to explain the thought patterns of Jesus Christ. I believe he's coming again and he's going to 
pull the world apart, atom by atom, and put it together again in a world in which righteousness will characterize every molecule and every galaxy. Thirdly, a Christian never sees himself apart from Christ. Um, I have been crucified with Christ. He could have said, I have lived with Christ. I'm raised with Christ. I'm seating in the heavenlies in Christ. But he never sees himself as someone who isn't one with Christ, like a married man. He can never say, well, I'm going off on a business trip to Florida. And there I can act as a single man. No, he can't. He's always a married man. He's always joined to his wife. And we are always joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are one with him in his righteous life, in his atoning death, in his resurrection and ascension. We are seated with him at the right hand of God. We are conscious that we are joined to him. Fourthly, a Christian is someone who lives by that faith. Um, we, we apply the beliefs of Jesus Christ to our daily life. We just don't make a profession and then carry on, as we always have. But we live in a living relationship with Christ. We worship him. That's the greatest single feature of a Christian. We fall down before him. We adore him. We speak to him. We say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee at the beginning of each day. And at the end of the day, we say, sorry, Lord, I didn't love you as I should. And please forgive the sins of the day. We live. We live trusting in him. We, all our talents all our strengths, all our desires have been structured by Christ and focused upon him and his glory. We live by that faith. That's the next thing I want to say. Um, I live by faith. I live by it. All my regrets, all my sorrows are Christ-centered. I'm his slave. I'm his property. When I look at life with its problems, I live by trusting that Jesus Christ is working all things after the counsel of his will. He is working all things for my good. The lamb is in control. The lamb is opening the book of my life and he's turning every page over. So he's brought me to you today and he's brought you here because he wants you to hear these things that I'm saying to you. And when times of stress comes and times of bereavement and disappointment and pain, then we know the Lord is in control. I can trust him. He knows what he's doing. Now I see through a glass darkly. One day I'll see face to face. He says to me, you don't know what I'm doing now. You'll know. You'll know hereafter. And I'm living by that faith. And I'm taking it with me when I drive my car and when I walk in a park, when I fly across an ocean, when I'm in college. I live by that faith. I express my trust in him everywhere 
and at all times. I have a great high priest. Do you, do you do this? Are you aware? Is this the level of all of your faith now? Are you trusting him in times of anguish? Fifth or sixthly, um, a Christian is a person who is sure God loves him. Um, the son of God loved me. He gave himself for me. It's also very, very personal. It's not just for the world. It's not just for the new heavens and the earth. But it's very personal. He loved me. He gave himself because he loved me. It's always so personal. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I am poor and needy, but the Lord thinks of me. I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from his love. And that is the great characteristic of the Christian. It's very, very personal. And um, he has shown such affection. I can doubt many things. I can doubt global warming. I can doubt black holes. But I can't doubt that God loves me. Because my whole life has been a response to the wonderful love that God has shown towards me. He loves me with a love that's unconditional. He loves me with a love that's invincible. He loves me with a love that will never let me go. Uh, I, I just don't believe simply God would like me to be saved, that he's offering me salvation. I do believe those things, but that he is determined to take me to himself that I shall see the face that was spat upon for me, that I will hear his voice. I will hear, I trust, well done, good and faithful servant. He'll speak to me. Finally, a Christian is someone who is practically omnipotent. He says, Christ lives in me. In me. Isn't that magnificent? Sometimes we look at the mountains that we have to cross and the burdens we have to carry and the temptations and trials that we have to endure. How will I manage? How will I ever cope with these things? And th the Lord says, you can do all things through the Christ who indwells you. You can do all things by his grace and, and his power. This world which is so intimidating and threatening, full of neuroses and phobias, and we are so inconsistent and insignificant and have so little to offer. But ah, I look at Jesus. He loved me. He gave himself for me. Nothing will separate me from his love. What was the meaning of Calvary? I'm the meaning of Calvary. You are the meaning of Calvary. Yeah. I was the reason that he died that death. That's one of the great glories of the gospel. We can promise all who trust in him will be embraced by the love of this Jesus. Well, now then, that's what I think a Christian is. Uh, are you all Christians then? Have you all said, yes, I believe these things. These things are true. Um, 
I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. Christ lives in me. He inhabits me. And um, nothing will separate me from that love. Well, how are you relating to other people that you meet um, all over the world? Are they your brothers? Do you worship the omnipotent glory of Jesus? Do you hold hands together and say, we're going to glory together. And when you're weak, I'll, I'll support you and keep you. And when it's my turn to stumble, you pick me up and help me. And we'll go on together. This is the great privilege of being a Christian that we know these things to be true. These are the things that God says in his word that go to make up what a child of God is. And uh, I pray that you will have that assurance and it will be growing and you'll know it more and more as the years go by. Amen.